Lord, we pray for the churches in the United States across the country gathered in your name for the ministry, many gifts, many portions for your anointing to turn our hearts to you, to trust you, to learn of you, walk with you, trust you in life, to make church part of my life, a big part of my life, to have the messages and the careful walk close to you, Lord, to be wise in these days. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, turn to Proverbs 9. This is an introduction for our morning. Great to have you out today. And we've come to learn. And we have this text in chapter 9, Wisdom. Our subject is regarding wisdom. What is it? Uh, how do I get it? What does it mean to me to have wisdom? So here it is. This is just a few minutes to introduce one thought of it. It's wisdom has built her house, chapter 9, verse 1. So let's make a house here. All right, notice that where wisdom has built a house. Is it, is it important that wisdom build a house. Why? 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 Look at verse 1. She has hewn out seven pillars. So let's put uh, some pillars here. There's one. Okay, something like this. There's one here. So she has seven. And however you want to do your configuration, there's seven. All right. What are they? I don't know. I, I have said the... In the past, justification, sanctification, redemption, these are theological words. Uh, um, total depravity. Uh, so you can think about that. In any case, this, was, this house is doctrinal, is sound, attributes of God, grace of God, mind of God. This is the mind of God. God has made a house. For who? For who has he made the house? But for us, people. Because we need a house. We need a place. We need instruction. We need, we need what wisdom has for us. Like wisdom, wisdom. The Lord made the universe with wisdom, and it takes wisdom for us to live in it. So if you said the universe is like a glove, it's like a glove and then your hand goes in the glove and it fits. But if you do, do live without wisdom, it doesn't fit. It doesn't go together. And we watch people struggle in life and we all do, we all struggle, but some have understood better how life works. They learn wisdom. 
wisdom will help us understand things that you cannot understand a different way. Now, notice something here. There are other houses, the house of science, let's say knowledge. Knowledge is good, and there is a house, you could call it a house of science, but it's not able to help you when it comes to, yeah, should I get married or not? What can science tell me? Uh, should I buy this house or that house? Should I live in this city or that city? What is my career? How do I figure out who are my friends? When my heart is broken, what can science do for me? When a man's heart is broken, what, when he's guilty, he's sitting in a prison, and he's guilty of a crime, what can that house do for me? Right? There's another house, and it's a house of morality, good and bad. That house is also morality. Some people think, I'm a Christian. The purpose of my life is to be good. It's to be a good person. No, it isn't. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is to get wisdom and learn how to live and how your life fits in this life. You, you, it, is, it is good. It is good, but goodness is not enough for you. Because goodness, like I, have, I could have this job or this job, which job, so they're both good jobs. But how do I know which job to have? I need wisdom. Goodness is limited. There's another house of religion. There's a house of religion. You can go to a religious house but go away empty. Can't you? Turn to your neighbor and ask him. You go to a religious house, could you go away empty? What? Yes, men there done that. Yes. Yes. Yes, that can happen. Religion, there's a lot of religion in the world. But is it wise? Is it God? Is it the house that God built? Now, closing, look at this verse here. It says, verse 2, she has slaughtered her meat. We could say the crucifixion. She has mixed her wine. We could say the blood of Jesus. She has furnished her table. That could be the communion table. She has sent out her maidens. That's missionaries. Evangelists, Christians have gone out. Like we're in the house, we go out, and what is our message? What is if you're in the house of wisdom, do you have a message? Yes, because wisdom has a message. There are people that don't have a message, right? But when you're in the in wisdom and you're gaining wisdom, it says, "He that winneth souls is wise." That means you're able to talk. You're able to like help people find Christ. You're able to minister to them. Wisdom does that. When you and I are in the house that wisdom built, then we're in communion at a table, and she sends out her maidens. Now, notice the next part. 
she cries out, the maidens through wisdom cry out from the highest places of the city. We can debate Muslims, we can debate Buddhists, we can debate secular people, we can debate the atheists, we can debate people, have a discussion. What I mean by debate is have a meaningful discussion. You can talk. Jesus is out in the hills of Galilee, and he's in the city and the temple. Everywhere he goes, he can have an answer, he can have a ministry, he can do a miracle, he can answer the heart, he can speak to the heart, he can say to the woman at the well, you've had five husbands, the man you're living with is not your husband, I'm here to talk to you. And it affects her. Because wisdom is like that. Therefore, get it. It says here, it's better than money, silver, gold, rubies. It's better than anything you could ever desire in life. Now, let me say something about that. When you were five years old in upstate New York and we had a snowstorm and it was time to go out and play, you put on your gloves or mittens and your mother would try to get your fingers in the right holes in the glove. Remember? Like two fingers would go in one finger. Remember that? And you, Or you don't want to go out so you kind of close your fists like this. And your mother's trying to unravel your fingers and get them in the gloves. You know, life is like this, like that people don't know how, how to fit in life. They don't know how it works. They don't don't know. They think it's to be beautiful. If I'm beautiful, then I will be. You know, that works. It doesn't. Or rich or famous or popular or no troubles or no problems or just be good. It doesn't fit in this world. You can do it, but you're going to have a hard time like getting it. You're going to feel, I don't have it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get life. I don't get life. The sooner you can realize that you need help, the better it is. Because you can mess up your life. What a good word to end on. Boy, aren't you glad you came to church today? I can mess up my life. I can. And even, even when, I, when, when that does happen, and I go back to God, and I find wisdom, he will help me after I mess up my life. Because he is God. Isn't that good? He will help me understand how to forgive how to love, how to believe, trust, pray, grow in grace. He will help me understand. My hand will start to go into the fingers, and I'll just say, okay. It hurts, but I got it. It fits. It works. God is with me. And wouldn't it be amazing to live your life at the end of your life and say, you know what? The Lord, the Lord did this. The Lord helped me. The Lord answered me. I got to learn how to talk 
how to listen, how to not be jealous, not to be envious, not to be hateful, not to be judgmental. I learned how to walk with God because God has given us a house called the house of wisdom. Okay? Now, um, welcome. I don't know what comes next. They know. So, thank you. God bless you. Good morning. It's so good to see you. Just looking at the family here. Yeah, just uh, just sending greetings from Houston. And my wife and I and family, we're co-laboring with my brother, Pastor Jomi, Pastor Adam, Speedy, and the Speedy family down in Houston. And God is really moving there. So thank you for remembering us and praying for us. And it's just exciting. It's a unique opportunity that we have, that all of us have, really to really minister, be missionaries where we are. Amen? It really is. And Houston's a unique city. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, beautiful believers. And when you start to share the faith and kind of scratch behind the surface a little bit, and uh, it's, it's just really amazing how just the natural disposition of man is we are empty. We are so empty. And uh, just the finished work message, the grace message is a, is a whole other language, isn't it? And I want to look at something briefly here in Second, Tim, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 3. And honestly, I just wanted to come up here. Uh, my wife sends her love. She's actually home. She has pneumonia, so please be praying for her. But she's an amazing trooper with my son as well. And we have landed well in Houston. We haven't crash landed, which is good. <laughs> Houston, there are no problems <laughs> that we're aware of. <laughs> um, but honestly, your prayers, your encouragement, I just think of the body here. My heart is just so broken, uh, just in the good sense, how you warm my heart, just thinking of you, your faith, your consistent love. And uh, we just are so honored to be an extension of Greater Grace in Houston. And uh, working with my brother is always a blast. We used to do that overseas. And it's, I feel like we're in part two, you know. So uh, we're really in a unique time in our country, aren't we? We really are. As things, as the wheels have already come off the bus, we are just preaching, loving, ministering, speaking. We have a message. We have a message that does not depend on us but it lifts up a great big Christ. And in Second, Second Corinthians here, chapter 3, I, I love these verses. It just says, <clears throat> verse 16, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And this is the gospel, isn't it? It is the gospel. Um, as we work in Houston, there are three church plants that are happening. And it's amazing just going and just communicating, turn to the Lord. And it's just, it isn't just a... Uh, a religious form, but it's, it's this amazing 
uh, privilege we have to discover Christ, to discover him, because we are thirsty. Psalm 63, 1 says that we are longing for something. And as we turn to the Lord, we realize he is everything we need. Amen. Psalm 143 says the same thing in verse 6, that our arms reach out and we are satisfied. He satisfies every living thing as he opens his hand. And, and what a great message, amen? What a great message we have that we are bringing to wherever we are, that there is a God that we turn to that is not like us. He is perfect. And as we turn to him, we are, we are learning and enjoying his life. It's almost like looking in a mirror. Uh, I was reflecting back. Uh, we had looked at some comics with my son not so long ago, and, and it was this comic of a cat looking into the mirror, and the reflection was a lion. And I like that because that is us, isn't it? We are weak, and then we look, we turn And the veil, this complicatedness of the self-life is removed. And we see who we really are in grace. We see who we really are in mercy. We see who who God has made us to be in his son, Jesus Christ. And uh, because the more we look at ourselves, that veil gets thick, doesn't it? The, uh, The weights get heavier. I was talking, um, I'm working right now with a, a Christian counseling agency that is uh, just an incredible grace-oriented ministry, and uh, we're ministering as a marriage and family counselor, and what a privilege that is, and it's very busy just with a mental health crisis in our nation, and the world for that matter. But this man said to me, he said, you know, I feel like I have a layer of rocks across my body. He says, I am so full, a heavy and I have so much pressure in my life. And I began to share with him about the grace identity, who God says that he is. And it was amazing. By the end of the session, he prayed with me for salvation. And he was like, I need, I need this gospel. I need this life. He says, he says I am broken. I am broken. Isn't that amazing? And it's like you pour out your cup, right, onto dry and parched lands. And people, they look good, they sound good, maybe they smell good, right? But they're empty, they're broken. And this is the beautiful thing. We look from our brokenness into the mirror, and what do we see? We see wholeness, right? Psalm 17, 15, we are awake, we are, are, are awakened, and then we realize we are like him. And, he, and we, are, we are him, First John 4, 4, in this world. So... I love this principle because life can give us a leaky brain. It's a concept I've been thinking about. And what I mean by that is life can puncture us, can't it? It, Fear, anxiety, guilt, shame, it can puncture and remove the content and we can have an an overactive brain or a brain that never uh, turns off. Anybody ever experienced that before? All of us, right? It's incredible. And what is that? It is this place where we've looked away from God and we've looked into another place and we've tried to establish our own righteousness, as it says in Romans 10, 3. And what happens? It just doesn't work. And our mind races and we can't shut it off. But when we turn to him, this is the amazing provision that we have that we just heard about. We turn to wisdom 
and we learn truth, right? A lot of people have a tremendous amount of knowledge, right? We have Google Christianity, right? Just Google this and bam, you have an answer. But what are we really learning? What are we learning? We're learning how much we're loved. We're learning how much value we have. Uh, we are learning. Because in Hosea 4, 6, very interesting verse, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. Isn't that a powerful verse? If you read Hosea chapter 4, it's a serious read, you know. But we are perishing. And we were finding that wherever we go. But I'll speak about Houston as we're talking with people and just... You know, I gave this one couple, I'm, I'm able to give them resources and invite them to the church. People are coming into our church in Houston from our counseling sessions, and uh, it's really a beautiful provision. But I gave this one couple uh, this booklet, Just Let God Love You. How many have read that booklet? Incredible. And I'll never forget, I, I gave this to this couple. I said, just, just read it and journal about it, and we'll talk about it. And the next, the following week when they came back, their eyes were just, just like, we have never read anything like that, you know. And it's like the, the man said, now I understand a little bit how to love my wife. <laughs> I said, praise the Lord, you know. It's, uh, it, it's got to be his love loving us and then the overflow to others. And um, books like What is Man? Failure's Not Final. Uh, beautiful for Situations, right? Beauty for Ashes. These are... These are like amazing, amazing transformational things. And this is the mirror that we have. And I just love this. And we are changed. We are changed. Uh, I think of Taya down here where I live five miles from her son, Josh and Lindsay. Uh, it's just amazing. God is gathering people together. And uh, just we are saying, hey, let's, let's look away. Let's look unto Christ. Let's look unto his grace. Let's learn it again. Because, you know, and we all can say this, but it's a needy time. It's really a needy time, and people are looking. They're seeking. And, and you know, when we see the liberty of God, we can say this is not our message. This is his message. And then we don't perish for the lack of knowledge. That word perish is, is pretty incredible. It means in, in Jeremiah 2.13, it says the same thing. It says we are broken cisterns. We are pierced. And there's, there's no real, there's nothing to hold on to. But when we turn to him, and like you're doing today, what's happening? We are being changed. Not to live our best life today, right? Who, you know what I'm saying about that when I say that? But I'm saying we're living his life. We're living and discovering the beauty of mercy, loving kindness, grace, temperance, patience. And our brain our brain now is able to focus and concentrate in Isaiah 26.3 on him, on him, just like we just heard that song. And we lift up our cares and we cast our cares. And then our, our anxiety and our fears and our overactive mind and our grabbing on the, on the whirlwind, as it says in Hosea 11, what happens? We say, Lord, we're resting in you. We're looking away from our brokenness and we're discovering wholeness. We're looking away from our sin and we're looking into redemption. We're looking away from our complicatedness and finding the simplicity of grace. Isn't that what praise God? What a what a message we have. What a gospel we have. What what an amazing privilege we have. And and people people are hungry. I, I just see this in a 
I mean, I meet Mormons. There are a lot of Mormons in Texas, believe it or not. Um, I meet a lot of just people that have a form of godliness, and but they're denying the power because they're looking at themselves. They're looking at their best performance. And it, it gets tiring, doesn't it? It really does. But when you can fall into the arms of grace, into the arms of love, love produces the change. It doesn't demand it. And we are in this beautiful place of, of watching people get transformed. And thank you for praying for us. The church is growing there. You're going to see a bunch of Texans come to con- conference, Lord willing. And um, it's, it's incredible. People come into the church. Uh, one man I spoke with recently, uh, he said, I've never read my Bible. And I gave him a Bible to read just in our, co- in our counseling. He said, I've never opened the Bible before. He's in the church with his three teenagers, and he's learning the Bible, and his marriage is being transformed, right? It's that, that's what it's all about, right? It's like, let's look again, let's discover, and let's be changed into his image. So we love you. Thank you for remembering us and for praying for us, and uh, you, we hold you very precious and, and close to our hearts. Amen. God bless you. Okay, before we, uh, we we'll, we'll say a few things. Thanks, Pastor. What a great, you know, I mean, let's see, let's say Pastor Jason and Leah are, are just godly servants and ministering down in Texas, and we appreciate them very much. He, they worked here for many years with us, and, and then we sent them out, and we had, a, we had to process that. That was... We became angry about it, and then we shifted to like, okay, and then, you know, we're happy they're there. Wow. All right. Um, Would you change your position just for a moment? Just stand, do whatever you want to do for one or two minutes. Turn around, greet each other, love each other up. Sit in your chair, whatever you want to do. Just have have a moment of fellowship. All right, turn with me to First uh, Peter, chapter two. Okay, uh, can we put up on the screen that uh, sketch of the houses? Yeah. Okay. So wisdom has built her house. We heard Pastor Jason talk about the ministry in Houston. And like many churches, it's so possible that we are helping people, but we really want to help people deeply. I know know we all do. We would like to really help people. But it's interesting how in some of these other Houses, if you follow that idea with me, that somebody could say in this house, you know, what I learn is that if, if I have money, or this house, if I have money, I succeed in life. Or if I'm smart, 
I'm smart, then I can, I can manage my life. And you know, there are people that are smart and gifted, and they manage their life, and then, then, they, then they, they have a character problem. They have a character problem, and, uh, but they, they, have so, they have so much they've succeeded. But then in their, in their personal life, they are, they are not together. They don't have it. They don't have love. They can't forgive. They're jealous in their personal life. So that house couldn't help them really live the life that God made them to live. Isn't that a good question? Like, what kind of life has God made like that he has a life for me to live and for me to find that life? I can get hijacked and say, oh, it's to be a good man. I'll be a good man. It's not enough. You need to be a wise man. No, it's to have a great job. How many of you have, have ever thought, you know, or even the, the uh, uh, professional athletes, you know, it, what, a, what a great job that would be to, have, to, be, able to be paid uh, for doing something that you really enjoy, like playing, playing a sport. Wow. Yeah, but, but those athletes have problems. They have problems. They need. They, they don't need. You know. The, you might think that's what I need, or that's what I want. How many people play the lottery, and why? Because they think that is the way to solve their problem. That's the Proverbs is saying. Getting wisdom is better than silver and gold. It's better. But do you believe that? I do. I do. I, 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 me, with you, we have lived unique lives because we have found. No, no, we're not. I'm very deficient in many areas of life. I, can, I know I am. I'm very deficient. I can, there are things I cannot do, like put this screen up, this computer thing up on the Many things I cannot do. But but that's not the point. There is something deeper in your life that we need to address and talk to, talk about, and we do that every every day here in our church, not just you know once in a while, but every day. We're like focused on this because it's it's an incredible it's incredible. Let's read a couple of verses. Um, um, Let's see, how do I do this? Proverbs, oh, you can just put them on the screen, okay? Um, Proverbs 8, 12. I wisdom dwell with prudence. Now, these are synonyms in find out knowledge and discretion. We have three different words. We have the wisdom, we have prudence, we have discretion. Basically, they are similar, but one of them the discretion has the idea of paying attention to detail and understanding how things work. Like, 
understanding how life goes or how a relationship goes. We all know that we could have a relationship with somebody and I might say the wrong thing. And we know how that could disturb the relationship. That, that I say the wrong thing. Well, wisdom helps us in our relationships with each other. Wisdom does. Because it has discretion. And discretion is able to make distinguishing, distinguishing like recognizing differences. And I, lo- I like the idea of how the ladies love different colors, you know. <laughs> <laughs> in painting a house, how many painters have had to repaint a bathroom because it wasn't the right color, right? Or, or you know, I just fascinated how the ladies, the colors, are like, no, it's not. What's the difference? It's like, <laughs> is this yellow or not? Okay, is this yellow or not? Okay, all right, so... In the in the way, what God does for you through the new birth, you wake up and desire the sincere milk of the Word. In First Peter two two, you start to learn truth, and it really it stirs your heart because that's what the nature of wisdom is. It's to know what is going on. You know, when Jesus was in the world, he knew what was going on more than anybody. Like he was here and he knew what he was doing, when it would happen. He knew how it would happen. He understood how to talk to people. He understood how to touch their heart. He understood how to help people. And he understood how to walk away from people. Like Jesus is the study on wisdom. That person, that wisdom is a person. That person is in your life. Wow. He's in your life. He talks to you. He gives you understanding and prudence and discretion. Like you're able to understand what is going on. Uh, raising a family, how many of you can understand that, hey, raising a family is not just being a good person, and it's not a matter of money or science or medicine or systems or rules. It's something different. It's something more is needed than just rules and science and money and our, our opinion on things. Yes, more is needed. Patience, love, understanding, wisdom. Okay, so in uh, Proverbs 8, 12, how, where, where do you get it? Proverbs 1, 7, it says, The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Psalm 111, verse 10, same the fear of God. Maybe that's up on the screen. Psalm 1. Where are we? Come on. Psalm 111, verse 10. Proverbs 1, verse 7. I think they're, they're, they're like, it's a coffee break right now. <laughs> okay, so, all right, so 
Um, another, another one, Job 28, 28. And so we have this understanding, this principle about life. In the secular world, like if you go to the university and you take science courses and you learn about physics and you learn about the rules and everything, all the rules of the game of physics and, and science and so on, and that's a good thing, but it's not enough. That house cannot help you when you have to buy a car. I mean, buy a car. Well, wh how, which car do I buy? And how does that work? And how, how does it, how about when, when somebody gets cancer, like what medication I take? Well, that's a, that's a, maybe the science, the science, the medicine world can help me, but what if it doesn't work? Who's going to help me? God, wisdom. Wisdom will talk to you. Wisdom will guide you. How about if I move away, where do I go if I move away? And do I go with a family member? Or how about healing a, fam a relationship in a family? How do I do it? How can that happen? How does it work? How about in, in, as we get older, as uh, people, we lose some of our abilities and so on. It's like, how do I, how do I now live? Well, wisdom. Is, that's the house that we live in. That's where we want to live. Now, there's, a, there's something about it that we want to see. To enter in to the house, to be in the fellowship, takes the cross. I'll explain that. Um, in, you know, the cross is where we meet God. And there are things about you and I, we'll look at First Peter 2. Let's put that up on the board, First Peter 2. <clears throat> okay. Are we there yet? Oh, they're waiting for the verse, maybe. Verse 1. Sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. They're great. Hey. Peace, peace be unto you. First Peter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, there's five words here. All guile. Now, these... We could write them down. We have definitions. I have them in my notes here, but because of time, and I want to really be short now, but maybe tonight we could cover more of it. But there are five words that have to do with my attitude and speech. So you leave me, here I am. This is very normal for me to have malice, to have guile. That means like, Deceit, deceitful. I can be deceitful. I can tell the same thing two different ways. From a teenager, I can tell it one way to my friend. I can tell it another way to my mother. The same thing. We got a flat tire. I tell the truth to my friend, and then I just tell my mother part of the story. Okay? 
This is in our nature. We have this, so we have a couple of words, five words. Hypocrisy, and then we have envy, and then we have evil speaking. This is an important message for us. We have to lay it aside. We have to put it away. We can't do it anymore. We cannot live like that anymore. We want to enter into the house of wisdom. I want to have fellowship with wisdom. Wisdom will tell me, leave that stuff at the cross. That's a personal cross. That's inward. Nobody knows about it. Only me, I know in my heart. I bring this to the cross. You know, I was thinking of somebody who is jealous of a family member or they are jealous of another family or they are jealous a woman is jealous of another woman or a football player is jealous of another football player. A businessman is jealous of Rockefeller is jealous of J.P. Morgan. And that whole story, you can Google it and read about it. It's very interesting how we have this problem in our hearts. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's just nor, it's natural, it's normal, it's like a real thing. But the new birth, look at verse 2, 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes. Well, how did, how did, how did you become a newborn child? But it's in chapter 1, a few verses earlier, verse, is it 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You are born again. So you lay aside these five words, these things. They need to be described, but I think you follow it with me. I am jealous. Well, okay, leave it at the cross, and as a newborn babe, desire, and this is normal, a child to desire this sincere or the pure milk of the word of God. We desire it. We are hungry for it, like a baby crying when it comes home from the hospital. It's crying out. It's hungry. It desires. This new desire is in you. You do. That's why you're here this morning. You come, you wake up, you go, I'm going to church. I'm going to hear something. I'm going to think about something. There's going to be a message. Maybe that will help me. Maybe I'll get wisdom. Maybe my hand will fit in the glove called life. Well, the thing about life is it's a mystery. You can't figure it out. You might think money will be the answer for your life, but it isn't. Or good looks or success or uh, being this way or that way. No, no, no. You need a... You and I need a lot more than that. And we need to uh, come to the house that God has built. Look at chapter 2, verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, this is what fuels our hunger. Your hunger is fueled by tasting 
the nature of God. This is the God. This is God, isn't it? The nature of God, the graciousness of God, the nature, the power of God, God's love. God loves me. We are His children. Now we have fellowship. So what do you, what do you do with jealousy? Okay, I'm jealous because, as I said in Romania years ago, I was in a village preaching. And I've told it before, but I just made up a jealousy story about somebody in the in the room, and this was we were like in a barn in a village, a mud floor. It was like with people, you know, like Romanians in a village, if you can imagine it. I have somebody here has a hundred chickens and somebody has seven chickens. And a person with seven chickens is it doesn't like the person who has a hundred chickens. They are jealous. And somebody here has an apartment with two rooms, and somebody has one with three rooms, and you're upset about that. You're jealous. We talk like that to the people. And then they're, they're laughing because it's true. Like that's what happens to us. We can be jealous over anything. We can be jealous over somebody's car or their clothes, or a necktie somebody's wearing, or a pair of shoes, or where'd they buy those shoes? You know, what, what, are, what are they showing off? They have new shoes. Don't they know I don't have them? And don't they know they're showing? These ridiculous things that you have to lay it aside and go more deeply and desire the sincere milk of the word. And as you and I desire it, we grow in it, we discover that God is gracious, and then you start praying like that person has 100 chickens. They have a lot of work that they have to do. God strengthen them. God bless them. Give them 200. Help them prosper. Bless their family. Bless them person with the new shoes of God. They're beautiful. God bless you. That's a beautiful thing. I hope in every way, you know, however it goes, you know, in your heart. You don't have any, you are free from your sin and your sin nature. You are free that you rejoice with God and his goodness and his grace. You love it. This is wisdom. This is not jealousy. This is wisdom speaking to us. And as you get wisdom, you actually, you and I, we kind of fit in the world, and we end up having peace, having love, having joy, having friends, having purpose. You end up hanging out, enjoying the wisdom and the love of the body. You end up in body fellowship and encouraged as a living stone. Look at verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone. This, we are living stones. It says, Jesus is a living stone. And then verse 5, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood. Let me finish with that. I need the church. I need the wisdom that is in the church. I need the life that is in the church. I need the joy that's in the church. 
I need my brothers and my sisters in my life. I, I, they're going to help me. This is a house that wisdom built. We sit at a table. We have communion. Then we go out with a message to the high places of the city. What does it mean, high places of the city? It means you're not ashamed of it. You go to the high places, Mars Hill, and you say he's been raised from the dead. He's been raised from the dead. You have a message. Wisdom has a message. Wisdom cares about people. Wisdom is out front. Wisdom has a house. Wisdom is able to navigate in a difficult world. Wisdom is able to discern the colors, you know, to know the differences and say, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. That's not, I don't want that. I, that's not good. I, I don't want to do it. I'm not saying much about it, but I, just, I recognize the difference and I'm able to navigate in life. And that's because, you know, okay, are you addicted to a drug? Maybe you are. But once you're delivered, never, never go back to it. Never go back. That's what wisdom says. Don't ever, ever go back to that. How about a sin, a bad habit, a sin that you do in your life that will destroy your life? It'll mess up your life. Maybe it takes a couple of years. But your deceitfulness or your lying It'll break relationships. It'll affect you in your heart. It'll affect your mind and your heart and your stress. And your body will break down and so on. Many different things could happen because of my sinful life. But wisdom will say, uh, come, come, eat and drink. It's free. Ho, oh, everyone that serves it, come, eat, drink uh, without, want, without uh, price. Uh, eat it and drink it without money and without price. It's something that money cannot buy. But something that you are buying in your life. How do I buy? I'm buying it in my new life. We are born again. We are newborn children. We are desiring the milk of the word. We are buying the truth and selling it not. And buying the truth and selling Let me say it again this way. I had addictions in my life as a teenager. I had addictions, and and I thought, wow, I don't know if I, I could ever get out of this. I don't know if I could ever get out. I got out of it. Jesus led me. God put me in this church, this one, 50 years ago. This one, more than 50. And, and this one, and I started to learn, and you helped me. Now, you particularly specifically back then, because maybe you weren't around 10, 50 years ago. But you helped me. The body helps, right? We help each other. Okay, so once we are out of it, never go back. Never, ever go back. Never, not even one time. Never, never go back. You don't need it. You have the desire, you the sincere milk of the word and you just start to learn this book this page and that page and read that page again and again and read that page again and again and that that one and go way back here read that one again and again and make it marks in the Bible I don't know if you do that but I've always done that make a mark there 
and flip through and then read that part and go back and make a comparison. And you desire them, the word as a baby, desire milk. Now, are you jealous? No, I am satisfied. God bless you. God bless you. I'm praying for you. I love you. I have no problem with you or you with you. I don't have any problem with anybody. May God bless you and you and you. This is the Spirit of God, isn't it? Yeah, we, I don't say we don't have problems with evil people. I understand that. But that, like, that's not my focus. I'm not rejoicing in evil. I'm rejoicing in truth. And this way of life is the way that God has given you and I. And it helps us immeasurably. And you will get, get um, learn that. Okay. Amen. Would you pray with me? This is an invitation. Could just imagine God is in heaven and he made you. He loves you and cares for you. He so loved you that he gave his son to die on the cross. As God, as wisdom, dying on the cross, looking foolish, but actually wise. Looking weak, but actually very strong. And he loves you. And just say in your heart to him, Lord Jesus Christ, I put my trust in you. Forgive me my sins and save me. I'm going to make a decision, Lord, to listen to you, to pay attention to you, to trust you. Lead me in this life. In Jesus' name. Your way, your way, I trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.